0: Hello and welcome to the Redefine Instruction webcast series, where we bring a fresh perspective on learning and development with every single episode. Go ahead, grab a cup of coffee or your favorite drink and enjoy a few moments talking about L&D with me. Hi, my name is Sandhya Lockenball and I am your host for this series. Subscribe to our webcast or look out for new episodes on YouTube. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or log on to RedefineInstruction.com for the latest trends on L&D. This week's episode is focused on the do's and don'ts of including humor in storytelling. In this engaging conversation, I speak with Sarah Ann Hooten, a New York City-based comedian and educator with 10 plus years of experience in curriculum design and performance art. She has a master's in education in curriculum and instruction with a focus on e-learning design from George Mason University. On the comedy side, she is an alum of York College Players, Washington Improv Theater, and UCB Theater. Sarah Ann is passionate about the use of comedy as a medium for education. She serves as the head writer and director for House Ensemble, The Roos Comedy Show, At the People's Improv Theater. She also produces and hosts Scrapped, a live monthly sketch talk show for comedy writers with credits from The Late Show, The Chris Get Hard Show, Fun or Die, Comedy Central, NBC, and Disney. Her other credits include stand up, comedia, and long form improvisation through Asia, Europe, and North America. Her education career journey has brought her all over the world and into industries across ESOL, higher education, professional development, customer service, media tech, and advertising. She currently is a Senior Program Manager for Curriculum Development at Amazon. In this episode, Sarah Ann took the time to answer, Does comedy resonate with learners? How to ensure that comedy adds to and embellishes training and doesn't take away from it. What to do when you receive pushback on using comedy within design. Are there certain topics where comedy is a taboo? How to avoid cultural references to appeal to a global audience and much more. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Sarah Ann Hutton. Hi, Sarah. Welcome to uh, Redefine Instruction Podcast Series. Thank you for speaking with me this evening.
1: Yes, thank you. Happy to be here.
0: Um, I'm really excited to dive into uh, your, your history behind bringing comedy into storytelling. But before I, I dive into all of the deep dive questions that I have, I'd love to give the audience a little bit of background about you. Um, can you tell me how you came upon this career of instructional design and then along the way, I know you have a history of comedy and you work in theater. How did you combine comedy with design?
1: Yeah. Wow. Okay. What a life journey it's been. I um, I fell into instructional design early in my career because I started out in education specifically within uh, English as a second language and linguistics, speech pathology uh, in that uh, line of study. And I went abroad to uh, facilitate and instruct and deliver ESL training to adult learners. I did a certification through Cambridge University. And pretty quickly through teaching and facilitating, I just, you know, I think this is a pretty common story that I started wanting to design my own materials and not being satisfied with the text or the materials that were provided or the lesson plans that were there and wanting to make, improve them, share them with coworkers and colleagues and iterate, et cetera. So it was kind of this organic um. Evolution of falling into instructional design and being really passionate about it. I would spend you know hours outside of work and tweaking and getting a lot of materials where they needed to be. Because in some of these places I was working, um, there were computer-based electronic training that was complementing the live piece of instruction. So it was a nice segue into that that world of. Uh, e-learning design and instructional design and that is what then led me to graduate school for curriculum instruction specifically instructional design and e-learning design
0: awesome awesome um curious about how comedy fits into the puzzle because that that you usually don't see a, a blend of comedy and storytelling like you have you have this this deep niche in, in not just in storytelling, but you embellish it with comedy. How did that come into be?
1: (laughs) Well, I've always been a performer. Um, I've been doing community theater since I was a young kid, you know, high school musicals, and then I studied theater in college. So I was always a performer, always doing um, probably comedy more seriously in college and getting into improv, improvisation. Mm -hmm. Uh, and stand-up and sketch comedy. Uh, and that's always Then once I started getting into education, comedy became more of a, a, a side hobby or a, a side job if I got paying gigs. So it was more about just continuing to do the things I love uh, and finding those opportunities no matter where I lived in the world. Um, which I could probably talk about at length, go off on a tangent there in terms of how audiences and comedy changes throughout cultures internationally. Um, I definitely have to maybe rely on more physical humor if I'm in a room of uh, speakers of other languages and I'm using English. So uh, there's that piece of it, but um, I think that when I think about the first time I really started to marry the two in terms of where comedy and education overlap and intersect is I, I have a story about being in graduate school and I needed to write a paper on um, behavioral learning objectives and um, yeah and that methodology that would then result in a facilitator guide as an output And I was really dragging my feet and dreading it. And I didn't want to write the paper. And I was like, oh, I don't want to do this. And I didn't have any motivation. So I, because to me, it's like, unless I'm going to take this paper and sing it to the class or perform it somehow, I feel like, who cares? I don't want to write this thing. (laughs) Um, But I ended up picking a topic that might seem a little shocking. The topic I picked for this behavioral learning methodology analysis instructor guide was how to use a squat toilet.
0: (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) (laughs) I would have never imagined. (laughs) Which was, I think, me being a
1: little cheeky to my professor of like, it doesn't matter what the subject matter is, but I'm going to do the assignment. (laughs) So I did. I wrote this, you know, up to 20 page document that really outlined the full needs analysis, the context (laughs) analysis, the learning objectives. There was a facilitator script. There were slides. um, There was a full lesson plan. And then there was even an appendix of handout (laughs) of like for the instructor to print pictures of a squat toilet and (laughs) put them on the floor so people in the live classroom could practice squatting on the toilet and get immediate (laughs) feedback on their performance. (laughs) So needless to say, I did the assignment perfectly, every line in place, and I got an A, but um, when my professor returned the paper to me, she definitely had a look on her face that was like, (laughs) never in my career have I ever read something like this
0: (laughs) now I want to get my hands on that paper and the handouts (laughs) do you have it posted somewhere Can, can my audience look at it but seriously that I think that's That's differentiating to quite an extent right, so you had I mean not, not just the topic was differentiated, but I can hear that you presented it in different learning formats right, so you had the kinesthetic aspect you had the handouts the visual aspect. All of that and i'm sure it stuck with the audience, so (laughs) they never forgot that training so um you know, there are positive and negative sides of including comedy in design, um, not just in storytelling, but just in design period. Can you highlight, I mean, the negative sort of kind of is so obvious, right? So from your perspective, can you highlight some of the positive aspects of bringing comedy into design and then into storytelling as well?
1: Yeah, so many, but maybe at a, a surface level, um, for like, why do it? Mm-hmm. And I think we all know the the answer to that in a sense of it makes training more engaging or memorable, right? It It's something that breaks the mold of the usual dry, boring, um, you know, context that people might be familiar with and spices it up a bit. Right. Um, so usually welcome when we think of comedy, we think of fun, we think of laughing and, and, and all of that. Right. So definitely positives there, but I think there's also a lot to consider about, uh, whether it's appropriate and the relevance and, and how it's done and when it's done. Um, so, and to speak a little bit to that, it, it often comes down to, I guess, step one is to make sure that the subject matter qualifies for, um, comedic tone. So often in comedy, and this is across the board for, you know, stand-up comedics or comics or comedy writers, you never want to joke about taboo topics. And often, you know, when we talk about taboo topics, it's stuff that are, it's not easy to laugh at. Um, things like death and mental illness or natural disasters or abuse, things things of that nature. Um, people tend to be a little bit more, oh, I don't feel comfortable. I can't laugh at this. Right. Not to say that there's not people out there who tell jokes on that subject matter. Um, this is a, a debate. I think you might hear people say what's OK to joke about, what's not OK to joke about within right. comedy, comedy. The best way to answer that is often context. And by that, I mean, who is the audience and who is the medium that that um, message is coming from? So if we think of harassment training, anti-harassment training or ethics training, which is a pretty common uh, type of training that you see for the workplace, usually not a topic we want to joke about. Um, We would want to take that type of training fairly seriously and not muddy the waters on the uh, intent and focus. Um, But on the flip side, I'm sure in a different context, outside of being in a workspace, a professional space with your employer delivering a training to you, if you're in a comedy club with friends on a weekend and you hear a comic on stage, who's making an observation about, harassment they have observed through their point of view, Uh it it will feel like a different context, a different messenger, different setting, and maybe there's opportunity for laughter and comedy there. So those are a couple of things to take into account when determining is comedy the right choice for what the objectives are and the, the purpose or intent of the training.
0: Right, right. Um, And I I think that the context ties right into the storytelling element, because you know when you're usually thinking of designing a story, you have like a setting a problem, a solution. Um, So I'm, I'm a little bit, I'm a little curious about your process, how do you go about discovering whether the audience has an appetite for comedy or whether the content has an appetite for comedy or not, whether the story, whether it be scenario based learning story, you know, just a plain story scenario that you're presenting or a Q&A, is it going to resonate with a, com- a comedic element in there or not? How do you how do you how do you make that in- initial assessment?
1: Sure. Yeah, I'm sure there's probably like a a great checklist we could come up with for everything to to go through before you branching a tree scenario of comedy. Yes, <laughs> um, but probably some general recommendations would be to first consider you know, your role in the project or have you worked with these stakeholders or teams or um, contract before? Um, what is their norm for training and this audience? What are they used to? What do they expect? Um, Cause sometimes that will, uh, sometimes expectations are important to consider when it comes to training tone and style. Um, And then it's a little bit of a discussion with them in terms of, you know, did they hire you to do something like this? Because then, you know, there you go. That's a win. That means they're probably interested in the idea of it. Um, Or you're presenting it as option A, B or C, potentially in a storyboard of like, we can take it this direction. If you're doing story based learning of, you know, here's a more of a hero's journey of a narrative based arc. Or here's another direction that's more comedic and uh, here's our flawed character or deeply flawed character and their slice of life um, who does not win at the end. Yeah, yeah. So I think there's a lot of value in presenting options so that you know, your primary stakeholders or decision makers are um, making an informed choice really early on. Um, and aligned on the value that comedy might be infusing in that project because chances are maybe they've always had really kind of stiff and dry compliance training I keep using compliance training because I feel like it's the most relatable thing right but um let's say it's a uh, security training for phishing emails right um Maybe they've always done something that's just been click a couple screens, or maybe they've done something that's always been very heavy and serious because obviously security is a deep issue. But um, I think it's always worth exploring the alternative option, which is something more lighthearted and fun um, that is engaging from a comedic point of view. But, and we can talk about this in a moment, um, is how do you still, achieve comedy and learning, but not make the point of the learning a joke.
0: Exactly. That was that leads into my next question is how do you ensure that a joke or, or the comedic element doesn't draw away from the objectives of the training?
1: Mm-hmm. So I'd
0: love to hear your perspective on that.
1: Yeah. Cause I think it's a really easy trap to fall into if you don't know what you're doing. If you don't hire a professional comedian to come in and kind of, and and I'm not saying you need a professional comedian. However, as someone who has been doing comedy for almost 15 years, (laughs) I still myself will have to get peer review from other comics to know if, if something is funny. So- and that's the, we know this as designers. Um, I do stand-up comedy pretty reg- I don't I'm not a great stand-up comic, but I do it because it's a really good tool for immediate feedback on jokes you write and whether or not they're funny. because <laughs> the audience pain-
0: gives you live feedback yeah.
1: painful live feedback that is brutally honest because right. silence is that was not funny) <laughs> right Right. um so I guess what I'm saying is uh if you are including the choice to be to do comedy uh in your training you you want to uh make sure that it is done correctly because what I have seen the the problem I have seen is that sometimes they will have the character or the um, narrator be kind of goofy, which I guess could, is funny in some way, but not in a purposeful way. Mm-hmm. And then their goofy demeanor or lighthearted, funny demeanor kind of makes it feel like the content is a joke or we shouldn't take it seriously. And so that's, that's what I mean by it's a trap. Don't fall into that trap. When it comes to using comedy, you need to be just as laser focused as you are with your learning objectives and your store, and your content and the learning experience. Right. So now if we draw a parallel with story based learning, um, typically if we have a, a character, perhaps like a third person character moving through the, the scenarios, those scenarios align with the learning objectives. And we see this character apply the skills learned and make decisions for problem solving or applying skills and then achieving these objectives along the way and you helping out. Um, in, I think that there's a lot of opportunity here for this character to be the comedic relief. Um, and then there needs to be pause to kind of bring it back to reality or pull it back to a focus of, okay, we're putting the comedy on pause. And now you need to reflect for a moment on like, what is the right thing to do? And like, what is the learning objective being achieved here? And how are we, what is, how is the training, training not um, a joke? Right. Um, it's kind of contained and isolated within this point of view of the character.
0: Right, right. I love how you said there's a pause. There's a deliberate transition that takes place. with OK, we are done with the comedic element. And here's where the story, the scenario, the content comes in. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm a little curious about um, so, so my exposure to comedy and, and storytelling has been secluded to characters or maybe one isolated event um, in the content. Um, you, you obviously have the width of the exposure in terms of, you know, how the different elements or components of comedy comes into design or storytelling. Can you give me some of the elements that you use to bring in comedy into storytelling or into training and design? (sighs) wow. I know it's, it's a, it's a huge topic to, to cover.
1: I swear really? maybe one day I'll maybe one day I'll you'll inspire me to write a book, perhaps. Because yes. it yes. seems like you know, we could we could geek out for hours about yes. the possibilities. Absolutely. Um, one thing I'll say quickly before we transition off of character point of view, character-based storytelling is that um one, just to keep in mind that this character is is the fool in that we through Feeling superior to them, see a lot of their flaws and failures, and maybe not being able to do correctly what they should be doing, as an opportunity to laugh because we see their failure reflected back at us because we sometimes do that too. Mm-hmm. But so we we commiserate and we understand them, but also we can laugh at them because they should know better. <laughs> and just to like give some context there. Um, when I talk about characters having a strong point of view, it's it's easier said than done. You need to really crystallize what is it that this character believes and thinks, and and what is it their tragic flaw. And a good example there is, you know, I always use the Simpsons as an example because it's everyone knows the Simpsons. But if we think of each Simpson's character, we know their really strong point of view. Like Homer is lazy and kind of simple-minded. Marge is usually very concerned. Lisa is very smart and righteous and Bart is um, mischievous. So if let's say, for example, someone like Bart, who is a, a pre-teen, mischievous preteen, and we know this about him and we know this is true, and we know this is his whole deal and that no matter what he does, it's always through that point of view, we would see Bart go through the learning objectives of, I don't know, uh, correctly reporting phishing emails in a mischievous way. So when Bart has to try to do this learning objective, we see that he, I don't know, maybe he, uh, he responds to the phishing email with a photocopy of his butt on the printer or something. (laughs) I don't know. So like, it's like, we can, we understand him and this is how he always behaves. And it's of his own fault that he does this despite the education he's received not to do it. (laughs) So, um, those things make it easy for us to laugh when we understand why that person thinks that way and who they are and that it's their own fault because we never want to laugh at anyone who it's, they couldn't help it or they didn't know. Right. right. Um, and if we, transition that into more authentic scenarios because when it comes to the philosophy of comedy, it's a lot about truth and authenticity and honesty. Um, The audience doesn't want to be lied to and they also don't want to be lectured to. And a lot of comedy is not about teaching. And this is something I've learned in my journey of learning design, marrying with instructional design and education is that comedy is not about teaching. It's about illuminating to people what they already knew to be true. So that is what makes people feel uh, like, I guess, pleased and happy and they laugh because the laughter is like, oh, that's so true. Oh, I knew that and oh, I never do that phishing email. Right. I understand what that's like. So there's a lot of that laughter that comes from like a psychologically safe space of like, I understand this context. I understand why that's happening. That feels real to me Mm -hmm. and true to me. And then I can laugh about it and not feel confused. Right.
0: Right. (laughs) Um, If I were to ask you to, to give me a continuum of you know, from zero to 10 of how you kind of bring in comedy into storytelling. What is the minimal aspect to the maximum that you have? Like, what are the different types? So uh, characters, you just gave me an example. Um, There might be an event in the story that you use comedy with. Jokes are another way that I can think of, but I, I, I definitely can't, I don't have the imagination that you do of wrapping my head around what are the different ways, what does the continuum look like uh, from one isolated um, incident, for lack of a better term, of comedy to Mm -hmm. embellishing it in several different spots and different ways of doing it.
1: Yeah, that's... That's a that's good insight to have because I think sometimes when we think of a learning experience, it can be contained within one module, right? But also perhaps there's a learning experience that is uh, structured over time, multimodality or um, different avenues to take in a more, I guess, choose your own adventure approach of the resources provided to you. Right. Um, I think for anything that's going to be contained as a single seating and delivered from start to finish in completion, I would say that you should maintain tone um, in that if you're going to include comedic elements, it should be sustained. I wouldn't, I think that it might be confusing if you perhaps, and I'm thinking of this through perhaps a self guided Learning experience that might be through e learning. Like it'd be odd if you had uh, something really funny happening at the top, but then like the comedy stopped. So then it feels like they don't know if they should be laughing anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I would think consistency is important um, within a contained learning experience. However, you know, if there's more of a smorgasbord of options of learning to choose from, perhaps there's like a series of videos or courses or um, speakers you can listen to, I think then you probably have some flexibility because I often, I have seen um, micro videos done that are more like funny and lighthearted to maybe introduce new concepts to uh, a large group of people before they start diving in deeper to subject matter. Um, And I think that's a great engagement tool. Uh, and I've seen that done well, especially to what we were talking to a moment ago uh, with authenticity, that if you come up with a script where the people in your office are the actors themselves in playing out these scenarios, uh, that it's a, there's a lot of fun to have there, especially if you are, again, like I said before, making it psychologically safe to laugh at what's happening um for example maybe it's the ceo or someone in the c-suite that's being interviewed and they don't know the answer to something we feel safe to laugh at them because it's like you should know the answer to that easy security question um versus you're interviewing someone on their first day and they feel embarrassed you know
0: right right what a great example um comedy like you said the comedy plus design, it's still a little unheard of, right? There are no resources on it, which still makes me feel like this is a relatively new concept in instructional design. Wondering if you've ever received pushback from stakeholders on including comedy in in the design or storytelling, and how did you navigate that?
1: Yeah, I think it depends. Um, I've worked in a lot of different environments uh, industries, fields, uh, whether it was higher education or private or corporate or government. Um, And I think a lot of it really depends on audience and like what is approved for legal reasons (laughs) or what needs to be a pretty uh, strongly adhering to a certain content style for consistency. So there's a lot of uh, variables there that would have, of course, received pushback. Um, but I do have a memory of early in my instructional design days of working with a team. Um, and this is like rookie mistake. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I was working with some other designers, and we were thinking, "Oh, let's let's just put in a lot of funny pictures." And this <laughs> in this module, because it's going to just make it more fun and engaging. But that's clearly violating most e-learning principles if you're including images that are not super relevant to the training that's happening. So not necessarily a comedy issue, more about learning design issue. But we did for sure get feedback and pushback that was like, this is, remove these. we thought they were hilarious I think it, it was probably pictures of like I can't remember now but probably uh kittens you know I just-
0: <laughs> um have have you had circumstances where traditionally people have not been exposed to comedy um in a certain topic in a certain training and you've like you said, presented options to them, like right? when one is the traditional mode of training and then you've kind of added an element of humor and we can do scenario based or s- story based learning in one way where, you know, everybody's serious and you're you're just listening and answering questions and the traditional e-learning method. And then you have like maybe a character that has humor or an incident that has humor. Have you been able to change somebody's perspective by presenting two different scenarios? Like, I'm just curious about it because I think it also has a lot to do with um, the schema that the audience brings, right? So the audience, whether the audience has or even the stakeholders, right? They have the schema that they bring. Um, you know, engineers or software designers or, or physicians have typically less of a appetite for humor than some of the younger executives who are just coming into. Or if you're talking to the C-suite, the you know, there's there's definitely an apprehension from the learning and design team to throw in a comedic element in there. So I'm just wondering if, you know, there were traditionally you find not a lot of designers delving into, into humor. Um, have you been able to navigate a scenario where you presented two different options and you did in fact change the stakeholder's mind to include comedy in training? Um,
1: I probably can't talk about this in too much depth, just for, I guess, maybe proprietary under- reasons, I but I think a good way to describe it is that um, there wasn't a lot of flexibility for humor within the time constraints and the modality and what needed to be achieved. Uh, and, you know, I think given it needed to be straight to the point and not, I think sometimes, especially with story-based learning, you there's a longer timeline there and um, this might not have even had that much of a shelf life. But um, I think what we did was there was a supplemental resource, like a, a job aid that was kind of a reminder um, of like, you're a- kind of like an acronym, but like a one, two, three, like, don't do this, don't do this, do this. And mm. so I think there was like a little bit of my uh, signature there in terms of like a little link. (laughs) This is just a friendly reminder to you of what you just learned about of like, don't do this, don't do this, do this. And it was, um, I think funny in the sense that it was something easy to keep out on display and remind you and um, be a little bit playful about the, recall of what they learned about and a rule of threes. Right. Um, yeah, I think that might be a good example of when there's compromise given the constraints of a, of a project.
0: Right, right. And it's so much easier to just hold on to three things, right? Mm -hmm. Your mind can easily hold on to that information. Um, Can I circle back to some of the topics that are completely a taboo absolute no no where humor is concerned? Can you list out for me maybe a handful of topics that one should never consider adding humor into? Um, I mean, I could, <laughs> I'm laughing about your question
1: because it's like, I, uh, I'm going to list taboo topics and talk about them, but I'm telling you not to talk about them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, it's, it's, so, it's making me laugh, it's but a I think, <laughs> yes. I think a better way to, for me to capture it, is that, and this is something I, um, I think is it talk people smarter than me have written at length about in some of these comedy resourcing resources I'll give you is that often comedy is, um, tragedy plus time or another, another equation is like comedy is tragedy minus emotional connection (laughs) Mm, so that sometimes plays a factor if you're going to talk about topical things um i know i mentioned some things earlier in terms of uh illness or death or abuse or disaster Mm -hmm. but sometimes you know people feel like a punchline of a joke could be the revolutionary war but less comfortable about it being 9-11. Mm-hmm. So there's a little bit of like that nuance to navigate with with taboo topics. Um, but you also mentioned something earlier about uh, internationally um, how taboos might differ. Right. That is 100% also something to uh, take into consideration as much as you can. Um, There of course might there might be misses if you um, don't have the resources at your disposal to properly vet something, but hopefully you are able to. Um, But that kind of also plays into the idea of inclusivity, right? When we have content that's being presented globally to different audiences, what do some cultures perhaps find offensive for other reasons that another culture doesn't pick up on, Um, and yeah, that's 100% would fall under taboo <laughs> topics.
0: Right. Um, so a lot of us work for global organizations, right? So I, I think, uh, you know, there's there's the restriction of resources that are available at our hand. Like right? we are sitting here in the United States working for an organization that's potentially potentially functioning across the globe. How do you go about, first of all, making sure that the learning that's going to be probably pushed out in Asia or Africa is culture agnostic, but even the comedic elements that they can have culture sprinkled on it or even reference to context right so, for example. uh, A television series that might be very well known here in the United States might not people might not even be aware of it in Asia or Africa, or some of the other continents, how do you make it. Agnostic enough so that the humor is still valid. And then I'm going to throw in a two part to that question is we sitting in the United States, what is a good way for us to know or do the discovery of, you know, this, this is culturally not appropriate for someone in Asia, or this is culturally not acceptable in Europe, you know, Um, I mean, this, there's also the sensitivity aspect and the, the relevance aspect that's in there.
1: Yeah, um, I, 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 I'm, I want to speak um, at a very general level because I had the opportunity to work for a lot of various global brands and services um, at the corporate level, but I've also had the opportunity to work locally with certain institutions. Um, so in both of those cases, Whether it is whether you're at a headquarters for a global operation or you are with a local team in a country that is foreign to yours, either way, whatever situation you find yourself in, it would require doing the due diligence of uh, meeting with local, I don't know if it's subject matter experts or people who are able to review and collaborate on those needs. In terms of reviewing mm, drafts or ideas or storyboards and giving that, that feedback on potentially just what is appropriate for this audience, or deep diving into what is what are um, some of pop culture references or fun pieces of humor that are typical within this culture. We'll see. I my my feeling is that if you're really going to try to drive an initiative that um, is authentically, truthfully, funny within a specific culture or language, you would. I would highly recommend that you're having a, a writer um, who has that skill set from that region um, to collaborate with and, and be involved because it. it I think you. It's a t- it's a tall order to get it right. Um, if you're trying to achieve, I guess, the level of comedy that you're, you're aiming for. Um, I think there, there, there are some universal themes in comedy in the sense of, um, it's often in video editing. I think you can get away with a lot of, let's say there's a a character that's in your story that's just like a bouncing ball with a little cute face Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) and this bouncing ball keeps like bouncing into things or he gets sad and then like the camera zooms in on his face and then edits out of the way it's almost almost a la Pixar right Mm -hmm. there I think there are these other realms of what we are delighted by and feel connected to as humans Mm -hmm. that are not necessarily based in language or pop culture reference.
0: So, so what I'm hearing is pilot test (laughs) <laughs> uh, if you do want to go that route or play it safe by keeping it, you know, keeping comedy separate from, I mean, that's just probably the safest route, right? If you don't want to experiment. But, but if you do want to delve into it, pilot test is one way of doing it. Getting someone who is embedded in that culture to look at it or either potentially write for you. That's another thing that we can rely on. Um, and then there are some universal, uh, you know, humor elements that we can bring in whether that be video or writing, what have you, maybe use those if you want to be in that safe space. Um, Sarah, thank you so much for all the insight that you've given me today. I know that each of these topics are deep enough for us to spend time and deep dive and, and go off on a tangent. I would love to have you back at another time, maybe pick one topic at that point in time and go deeper. But I really do
1: appreciate your time this evening. Same. Thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun to talk through.
0: Thank you for listening to the Redefine Instruction webcast series. We welcome feedback. Leave a comment or question on any of our social media pages. We look forward to hearing from you. Until then, stay tuned for the next episode.